G'day, Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. This episode is recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. This week we've got an interview with someone from the brand new Psych Patients Union, an initiative to protect the rights and freedoms of psychiatric patients that's just getting its start right now. We'll also hear from Adam from the Housing Defence Coalition, speaking about a successful eviction defence campaign in Warung, or so-called Sydney. I'll have to get better at spacing out my shows one of these days because, again, we don't have any time for union news this week. But I'd like to just shout out quickly to the distribution centre workers taking strike action at office work sites around the country with the United Workers' Union. I'll just read from the United Workers' Union press release. On Monday the 24th of August, approximately 275 workers will take a 24-hour stoppage across three sites, North Rocks and Eunora, New South Wales, and Laverton, Victoria. These three distribution centres replenish the stock in office work stores and fulfil online customer orders across the country. Workers have voted to take protected action for secure jobs and redundancy provisions amid concerns about the future outsourcing of their work on inferior wages and conditions. To date, Officeworks has offered sub-inflation wage increases with cuts to overtime penalties and no protection for future job security. This comes at a time when Officeworks is recording record pandemic profits, increased sales totals of 27% in the past five months. As frontline essential workers, Officeworks distribution centre workers have continued to work throughout the pandemic even as the company recorded three positive COVID-19 cases in the distribution centres. Workers are asking Officeworks to acknowledge their hard work and dedication with a reasonable wage offer and job security assurances. Workers are also calling for community members to support the action by not shopping at Officeworks, either online or in person, on Monday the 24th of August. And from Matt Toner, Director of Logistics from the United Workers' Union. It is absolutely unacceptable in the midst of this pandemic for massive corporations to offer negligible pay increases to their essential workers and refuse to protect their job security by ensuring that their wages and conditions will not be undercut. The managing director for Wes Farmers, the parent company of Officeworks, thinks it's okay to increase his salary by 7.8% in one year. It's time that workers who are actually essential get the big pay increases in line with the contributions they make. While many are struggling, business is booming for Officeworks, which has increased its profits by 41.5% between 2015 to 2019 to reach $167 million. This has increased again during the pandemic and could not have been possible without the dedication of their workers. Since the company shifted to focus on online sales, the warehouse and logistic workers have been working harder than ever. We are seeking a wage increase and job security assurances that reflect the commitment workers have shown to Officeworks and the contributions they have made over the years. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Alright, well next we're going to hear from Adam who spoke at the Renters and Housing Union's recent Eviction Defence Forum about how we can protect each other from evictions during this pandemic. Hi, g'day. I'm Adam. Um, Yeah, I've been involved in the Housing Defence Coalition um, in Sydney. I'd like to acknowledge uh, I'm speaking on the land of the Gadigal people, the Aura Nation, 
and, you know, full support to the ongoing struggles. We've had a big battle over deaths in custody up here recently. Um, yeah, I was asked to come and, and just talk about one one case of stopping an eviction, which is one of the things our group has done. Obviously, um, it seems like a lot of people in this meeting would be from Victoria, but in New South Wales, similar picture, uh, rubbish, inadequate laws, a stop on evictions that last 90 days and only applies very narrowly to people who lost 25% of their income due to COVID and wasn't retrospective. That's now over and there's some, you know, extremely inadequate um, uh, policy in place now where it's like you can get evicted slightly slower um, if you're, you know, lost income because of COVID. Um, so as a result of that, obviously, heap of people have been hit very hard, can't pay rent. And landlords, including ones that are multi-billion dollar companies, um, student housing, have been coming down on people very, very hard to try and squeeze you know, every last drop out of them in a pandemic. So I guess one of the one of the first evictions we stopped, um, yeah, was uh, in a share house, um, which is what I'm going to talk about, just how we did that in case it's useful for people. I'd be keen to hear your experiences down there and stuff too. Uh, but basically we've done a bit of work around student housing, had some networks, have been promoting the existence of our group for tenants who are facing evictions and stuff like that. And through those networks, we heard at very short notice that there was an eviction planned in St. Peter's in the inner west in Sydney um, of, yeah, a tenant who'd been given three, na three days notice by text message to get out of their house. They were from New Zealand, so they couldn't claim job keeper, job seeker or any of the benefits. And they had not been able to pay rent because they lost work because of an injury as well. So you talk about the most vulnerable uh, demographic, demographic like trans women as well, um, getting told they have to get out in three days. So, yeah, in this housing where this went down, it was um, the eviction notice, which was illegal even under the existing laws, um, was given by a... Uh, the head tenant who ran some sketchy um, subletting company called Quankster um, that let out these places to people and, yeah, had just um, was trying to turf them out because they couldn't pay, basically. Um, and, yeah, the the notice this, this tenant got, Layla, was quite threatening. It was like, you know, um, you got three days to get out such and such will be at your door to remove all your furniture, um, um, you know, on the 20th of April. And, you know, this is someone who relatives of the head tenant and the person who ran Quankster lived in the house and have been intimidating the tenant. Um, so this is like the message is a bunch of heavies are going to turn up at the door and drag all your stuff out, get the hell out now or else type type message. So it's it's terrifying for people to even stand up to something like that. I think even where you face homelessness, there's a thing of like, I just need to get the hell out of here. But basically through us making contact, offering support, the first thing we did was just send a letter to them um, as quickly as we could saying 22 grand fine if you lock out a tenant, this isn't um, legitimate 
um, notice to vacate. It doesn't give two weeks. Um, and, you know, um, these are all the penalties you can face for, for what you're trying to do. But we didn't just leave it at that legalistic thing. Obviously, with the threat of a bunch of people turning up at the door, we mobilised to go to the house with a hard copy of the letter to be there on the morning where this this move out was planned. So, yeah, we rolled up at the house with like 15 people. It was in a period where it was illegal to assemble more than two people outside your house under the um, public health orders. But we basically dealt with that by saying we're going to have a core group who's there to support the tenant, the few of us with the letter, and the rest are community supporters who have just heard about this thing and, and want to show moral support. But the the idea was to send a message. You're not going to roll up and turf this person out. It's illegal. You're not going to scare them into leaving voluntarily by rolling up with a bunch of um, thugs or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, the first thing when we got there, the um, the real estate agent rolls up like all the boys in their suits with their gold rings, like, oh, we're Century 21 Marrickville, get that banner off the house as if that's the biggest crime out there, like um, basically trying to chase us off, saying, oh, this is nothing to do with us, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, we insisted on staying. Um, they, The cops were called, rolled up with two police cars, started taking everyone's details, telling us we were breaching public health orders. Um you know, we um, asserted the legitimacy of, of us being there. Um, no one was fined in the end. But in the process of all this going on, the, the real estate agent has actually um, got the wind up them and rang the head tenant and then, like, called this thing off. And so we get the confirmation that Layla's been saved from literal homelessness as all the cops are there um, trying to move us on. So... Um, in that sense, it was it was very successful. It saved someone from from losing their house. It also set an example for others who faced similar things that there was an avenue for them for support. That you don't just have to cop this this sort of bullying, intimidation, illegal acts by landlords. But it showed the weak laws. Um, what the Liberals in New South Wales have done, and just embolden these people to feel like they're a law unto themselves. Um, landlords and yeah at the same time if they're stood up to they're a bunch of bullies they'll often retreat um, you know quite quickly so yeah I mean a um, couple of other things just to give a flavour of the action like all the because everyone's stuck at home bored it's locked down they all come out all the neighbours come out and start looking at what the hell's going on and we're like we need to go up and tell every one of them and they all virtually were supportive. Some even offered us legal support and all this. One outed the landlord was like, he's a slumlord. Like, he lives in that multi-million dollar house at the top of the hill. He owns other properties. Rah, rah, rah. So there was no love for this this dude on this street. Um, and, yeah, looking back, it would have been good to get round to them before we did the action so they knew we were doing it and that we'd face threats from the cops and they could come show solidarity, which they sort of did anyway by by coming outside. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the final thing to mention is just the, the 
um, the tenant was able to stay for way longer than the two weeks notice to vacate time as a result of this as well. So that was a win for them um, too. And yeah, um, it's, it's, you know, terrible to have to do any of this, but it shows that you can, um, you can fight and win basically in, in some of these cases where they're just trying to roll over people. Um, and we publicized as much as possible, got hundreds of comments of support on social media and stuff. So that was good too. Um, but we didn't call the, the media for the event itself because we were just like, if they tip off the cops, it may derail the whole thing um, or whatever. But in future, we probably um, might think differently about that because it was successful. Yeah. All right, so we're joined with someone here from the Psych Patients Union. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm I'm Rain. I am a Melbourneite and an anarchist, and I have been dealing with uh, got dissociative identity disorder, um, which is more commonly known as multiple personality disorder. For the last couple of years, I've been really struggling to get access to help for that, and I've been realizing just how immensely under underfunded and uh, underdeveloped the mental health system is here in Victoria and the rest of the country and thought screw it let's get together let's unionize and yeah I am in the process of uh, developing and creating a union for patients in all of psychiatry Um, that means mentally ill people neurodivergent people which such as uh ADHD patients like myself, uh, autistic people, dyslexia, so on and so forth, uh, as well as peop- anyone else who needs to see a psychiatrist, say, uh, people in rehab dealing with addiction, uh, transgender people who need to access psychiatry in order to um, get access to hormones and such. And yeah, it's early days yet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind, of, kind of brand new at the moment, the Psych Patients Union. It's up and coming. Um, yeah. So why, why do you think it is that um, we, we need a union for psych patients? I mean, you've already um, touched on a couple of things, but... Yeah, in the, uh, in the couple of years since I've been trying to access help, and uh, I mean, thankfully now I have a, a decent psychiatrist who knows what she's doing, has experience. It took five years, though. No one could tell me where to go. I can't afford to see her because there's not enough funding for that. Plenty of patients are dealing with abuse within psychiatry. Uh, a a doctor or a, a nurse within a hospital situation and such, um, there's inherent power that they will have over a patient. Uh, they are considered the authority and the experts. And while we have some laws in place, different depending on which state you're in, to try and regulate things, at the end of the day, we're still we're still at the bottom. And it leads to pretty rampant abuse uh, globally, actually. It's not, it's not just an Australian issue. Uh, very often, people will end up going to psych wards, uh, having a mental health crisis, and come out more traumatized than they were before they went in. People will be denied access to care because they won't be believed, which is something that has happened to me, or will be directly abused by a doctor um, physically, sexually, or mentally, emotionally, which, again, uh, I've had experience with, with uh, gaslighting from, from doctors and such. There are, there are all sorts of 
situations that we're placed under, both by the the government not providing us enough access to care and the care that we're getting, uh, essentially making things worse for patients in a lot of cases um, or actively denying us the care that we should very well have a right to have. There's a there's a huge amount of stigma as well with mental illness. There's all sorts of awareness out there for um, the more common disorders such as depression and anxiety and such. You know, organizations like Beyond Blue do a lot of great work, but our society generally tends to overlook huge, huge numbers of people, and uh, that they're, they're considered scary or they're you know they're dangerous to themselves or others or you know they're just crazy and we need to fight that too we need to you know we need to make sure that people are treated as human and a lot of people just aren't and so i guess it's a you know there's there's so many overlapping and uh different problems that we patients face the government hasn't done anything about it that's (laughs) right it's 2020 you know (laughs) That, that, that's absolutely spot on. I think before we started recording, you were kind of filling me in on some some things, and um, it turns out in here in so-called Victoria, electroshock therapy is still legal. Yeah, it's. I I already found that out today myself. I genuinely couldn't believe it. Um, and it's also legal without consent in certain situations. Uh, there is like a tribunal that you know comes together and decides or. But at the end of the day, people are still put through it. And it, electricity is damaging to the brain. This has been proven medically quite a lot. Um, it's, you know, uh, between 2017 and 18, I've got the statistic here um, from the, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights Victoria. There was 22,765 electroshock treatments given to Victorians over that period. That's um, an astonishing number. It's yeah, it's not a small amount. It's a it's a very systemic issue across the board, all over the state. You know, there's, there's also issues such as people being restrained involuntarily. Uh, I I personally have friends who have been through this because they have dissociative identity disorder on their record, and they're automatically restrained preemptively. You know, they haven't done anything before they get to the hospital. Um, they're just strapped down because the, the the doctors don't know what to do and they're scared because of the stigma too. They don't have like the right training in these circumstances and it's easier for them to strap you down than to deal with you. Being put on, say, antipsychotics to, to dope the patient up when they don't actually necessarily need the medication, but it just shuts you up so you can't complain. These sorts of abuses are pretty rampant. Um, they're not necessarily across the the country different states have different laws but uh victoria in particular is uh it's had a royal commission into this actually because it was it was such a such a huge issue yeah there's also uh like isolation seclusion being used a lot in psych wards uh here in victoria i guess i should make it clear that um solitary confinement is legally considered torture um it you know it's torture when it's been done in prisons it's also torture when it's done in a psychiatric facility the human brain cannot cope with that level of isolation you actually do get brain damage 
if you know if it's done for long enough and such. This is just sort of allowed to happen. You know, it's under the table. Um, I think a lot of people just don't know. They assume that the system is there to protect them and their loved ones. So they put their trust and faith into it and they assume, you know, it's working. Well, some of these things are absolutely appalling to hear. Yeah. And um, yeah. obviously, you know, like here at Stick Together, we think that collective action is the best way to kind of, you know, transform um, yeah. these, these social problems we have. Um, the, the only way that we're going to get anywhere is by liberating ourselves because, yeah. you know, it's, it's been 100, 150 years since the beginning of psychiatry as a science or around that much time, and we're still at this point. So it's really important for everyone to work together. Just wondering what kind of historical precedents there are for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, I came up with the idea for this union by... Pure accident, I ran across a story about the Mental Patients Union in the UK, which currently doesn't exist anymore, but was active throughout the 70s um, into the 90s, I believe. And they operated all across the UK and did a lot of good work in uh, standing up for patients who were going through like being lobotomized and you know involuntary electroshock therapy and such uh, some pretty extreme stuff it was by reading into this that i realized it's possible for us to stand up for ourselves in the first place i'd never even considered it um beforehand and it is their list of demands when i was reading through that made me think we can do the same um the mpu did a lot of good work and really brought to light a lot of the serious abuses going on in the UK at the time. And I want to replicate that. Hopefully, you know, we can, we can bring this back into the public light and um, emulate the successes that they had. And yeah, it sounds really, really exciting, Rain. Um, Yeah. really really kind of hoping <laughs> that this is a massive success or everyone i've spoken to about it is is very excited and thinks it really needs yeah, to exist. yeah same i've i've have had a lot of people who went wow i never thought that this is possible and like you know i've suddenly realized oh this is a great idea and i don't want to end up falling into the trap of operating like uh the unions that australia has had in the past uh i don't want to start an organization that is beholden to any political party, you know, or any, you know, like the Australian Council of Trade Unions and all that sort of stuff. Um, This is about, like, us representing ourselves, you know, and not having anyone above us. And as an anarchist, I'm very heavily dedicated to uh, anti-hierarchical values and ensuring that no one has power over another. I don't want to replicate that hierarchy that... uh, a doctor has over their patient within within the union, you know. Um, I'm hoping that patients within any specific hospital can form their own, you know, branch within that hospital to represent their interests or, you know, at any particular clinic or so on and so forth rather than simply representing people based on geography. Because, you know, I might live in Melbourne, but I, I don't know what it is like to, li- to go through rehab uh, I don't know what it is like to deal with disorders that I don't have. 
Um, you know, I don't know what it is like to be hospitalized in places I've never been to before. And we want people to be able to truly represent themselves as best as like humanly possible by making sure that they have autonomy over their own like individual experiences that they're going through. Need there to stick up for each other. It's a, it's a be- beautiful yeah. vision, and yeah, uh, yeah. We need, <laughs> need, need to make it real. Um, is there, is yeah. there any other kind of things you want to shout out before we before we wrap up? Otherwise, I'm not sure. I guess as well, one thing that was never mentioned is the huge lack of coverage under Medicare. Yeah, I want to yeah. bring light to this because it's it's a real problem, and most especially when we're all all facing some real tough challenges in lockdown right now. Um, but many people are unaware, but the the PBS, um, the system that subsidizes medication, uh, is full of holes. My, my own ADHD medication, um, I can't get covered at all because I was diagnosed over the age of 15. Most, you know, a lot of people go their entire lives not knowing they have ADHD. Um, but... This this happens in a lot of cases, right? They 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 try and lower costs as much as possible, um, and that's not okay. You know, like it's it's not on. We should all, no one should have to pay like full price for medication. Like, you know, we we shouldn't have to live like people in the U.S. Um, we all know how messed up that medical system is, and no one should be going through that. Um, and as well, there's a huge gap in the access to care. Uh, you get 10 sessions a year under Medicare with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, only 10 a year. For a lot of people, that might be helpful if they're going through a rough spot and just need a, you know, just need a hand for a while. But if you've got any serious long-term disability or you know, illness, if you've got, you need help. You need long-term help. You need care that can't be provided in 10 sessions a year. You need consistent you know like weekly or fortnightly like sessions and it's not okay that people who are poor only get those 10 sessions i mean personally i've i've had i've had this so many times where i i just haven't had help for like five years you know like i uh, i have a lovely psych but i can't see her well then so what's the point you know uh, I finally, after after so long searching and navigating through all of the crap in the system, have someone who cares, and I I can't even see her to get access to that help, and no one should go through that. Well, yeah, let's build a world where no one has to go through that rain. Yeah, let's let's do that. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you'd like to start organising with the Psych Patients Union, then check out this episode's podcast show notes for a Discord link, or follow the Psychiatric Patient Federation on Twitter. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.